Welcome to This Is Real Fit. I'm Cadence Debuse. I'm recording right now out of my apartment in Brooklyn, so apologies for any weird background noises. It is very noisy in Brooklyn. Um, this is episode number two, possibly 2.5, if you happen to hear our second episode, which we then pulled down because I was not happy with the quality. Um, this is a learning process. I'm not a professional podcaster. I also recently realized I'm very much a dancer, not an actor, as in comfortable in my body, not in my voice. Um, So this is a new format which I'm on a learning curve with. Um, And the podcast is here because I do feel that I have a lot of information to share and I can't fit as many people who uh, might be interested in it in a room of eight people in my classes. This episode is a little bit about my story of how I came to be where I am now, a fitness professional, owner of two small fitness and uh, Pilates studios in Brooklyn, New York, along with my co-owner on the second studio. I think I shy away from telling my story because in my mind it's not very relatable and it's also not very dramatic um, and it seems like the stories that people get excited about are uh, have some kind of terrible tale of redemption, uh, tale of tragedy to redemption, or you know, some sort of clawing back from the darkness. I am lucky that while my life has had a number of difficult and even tragic periods, uh, none of that resulted in something where I was you know, hospitalized or homeless or um, deep in in some kind of self-harm. And so I think sometimes I actually feel strange to tell people how I got so involved in health and wellness because I don't want to alienate people with my fairly balanced outlook in my own, um, in my own self-care. Um, actually, the more that I'm saying this, the more I can tell that I'm actually very embarrassed about that in some weird way. I don't know why. But yeah, instead of doing drugs and uh, maybe having all the fun that it seems like other people are having in high school, I was like fasting and doing a lot of yoga and uh, removing all stimulants from my diet to find, uh, to sort of eat like a monk, monk's, monk's mind diet. <laughs> um, not super fun, but very relaxing. So there's a couple things that I feel like just sort of created the nest for me to grow into wellness. Uh, One of those is that both my parents were always uh, physically active when I was growing up. So they were being physically active, taking part in physical activity, engaging with your body, caring for your body was just part of life. It just seemed like that's what you do. Um, you know, from my child perspective, it was like you grow up and then you are someone who goes running or you play a sport or you take your bike out or you go for hikes. Certainly in the eighties, there wasn't the, the boutique fitness scene. So it was kind of to do outdoor sports or to, um, lift weights at the gym. That was really the, the big things that people were taking part in. And all of those seemed available to me. And I really, really appreciate that there was never um, the sense in our household that you 
work out as a way to punish yourself. No one was ever saying, oh, I got to lose these 10 pounds, so I'm going to go for a run today. It was always like, if you're stressed out, go for a run. If you're, you know, feeling foggy headed, you should take a walk outside. Um, Lifting weights makes you feel energized. Feeling strong in your body is a good thing. These were all the messages that I was getting. And I'm lucky that uh, both my parents valued just feeling strong and healthy and capable. And uh, nobody was trying to make me like girly or tell me that I couldn't do stuff. And the other thing is that both my parents cooked at home and most of our meals were homemade meals. So my parents were divorced in two separate households and in both households we always had home cooked meals. And um, my dad had like soda in the house, but other than that, neither household, we just didn't have junk food in the house. And it wasn't even that junk food is bad or, you know, anything, any messaging like that. It was more just, we weren't eating in a way that supported having just bags of chips and candy and what I would call non-nourishing foods around. We were eating homemade breakfast and if you were hungry, there's cheese and crackers in the house or vegetables. And those things were always just presented to us at a young age. So that's what our idea of eating was. And those kind of what I would call like, uh, non-nourishing more like fun foods like theme foods uh that was for when you go to the movie theater or you go to like you know the carnival or whatever in the 80s there were carnivals at least when i was little i think both those things just set me on a path that this stuff was already embedded in my sense of how one exists in the world and i think that's hugely important and i tell my clients all the time that the biggest gift that you can give to your children is to teach them how to cook and to just get them invested in moving, even if they hate it when they're little. I mean, I, I definitely, like a lot of kids, got forced into going to, you know, summer camps or whatever that I didn't want to do. But uh, particularly, I remember hating to learn how to swim. But now I'm glad that I have those skills, you know. And then the other piece, I think, is just the whatever whatever we're born with, your your innate interest. So I just always had a, a sense of home in my body and in learning about my body and the way bodies work and uh, was excited by movement and liked to push myself uh, physically and experience that. And, you know, there are just people where there's a more natural affinity to want to experience the world through that lens, just like you know, if somebody wants to um, be a surgeon or something, they have to have a certain interest that's going to help them achieve something that's uh, in some ways more extreme. So I had a more extreme interest in physical activity and um, and everything around that. So that turns into health and wellness as you get older. And then the I would say like the real turning point to really set me on a path of real um, discovery and, um, experimentation and starting to really carve my own beliefs about things and not just, uh, avidly read Shape Magazine, which I definitely was an avid reader of, was when I was probably 17 or something like that. Basically about a year to the day after my father died, I basically stopped being able to digest anything. It was very obvious 
you know, mind-body connection or emotional to physical connection. And I knew that right away. Of course, I went to doctors and got tested for whatever colitis or irritable bowel or all these things. But I just knew, I mean, it was just too much of a coincidence. And I knew that I was grieving and that grief can take many forms. So I knew it must be related. It wasn't like I was happy and relaxed all the time. I was um, pretty devastated and living with a sense of just the chaos that sudden death creates, basically. Your your awareness that the world is not what you thought it was um, at a young age is very... Um, difficult and takes a long time to filter through, including filtering through your body. So from there, I started studying holistic medicine. And um, I read an incredible book, which I always recommend to people, Paul Pritchford's Healing with Whole Foods, which really became a Bible for me. And I still have my original copy full of all my notes from when I was a teenager. And I religiously followed that. I mean it like it was my Bible. I mean, I opened it every day. And through that and just doing other reading, I experimented with all kinds of things from fasting to um, specific food group diets where you just eat grains or you just eat vegetables or you just eat, you know, whatever random stuff uh, all to have different effects. So a lot of that pulling from Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. And I, I never got to a self-harming place where I would call anything that I was doing an eating disorder, I kind of called it an over-organized way of eating. <laughs> so it, there were times where I started to feel stifled by my own experiments, but they never got to a point where I was uh, losing massive amounts of weight or disrupting my hormones or um, using them as a way to really torture myself mentally. They most of the time were just um, attempts to soothe my mind. You know, I had a lot of anxiety um, and a lot of rage actually. And they were ways to focus that and um, try to uh, process that into something, I guess, more useful. And through those things, which, you know, I always recommend to my clients to experiment. Like, no one can know your body. No one knows what works for you. Uh, through that, you learn a lot about yourself. And you learn um, what affects your body and what doesn't. And um, sometimes I realize that the way that I started feeding myself through all those years has become so habitual now that I don't even realize that I will add certain things to my food because deep in my mind I'm vaguely remembering that you know at this time of year Chinese medicine suggests adding more XYZ to your you know to your evening meal or something I have all these little habits that I do now um, that I can't even really remember where they started or why or what I'm what the purpose is but I remember that they are um, useful and helpful and that at some point they've made me feel healthy in my body and in my mind. So I keep doing them, which is to say that eventually after some experimentation and shutting out just sort of bullshit fad stuff or negative, uh, 
messaging and shoulds and copying people, if you really experiment and figure out what's going on for yourself, you essentially learn how to be intuitive and understand your own hunger and understand what you need to eat to feel good so that your digestion is healthy, so that your sleep is healthy, um, so that your energy is consistent, so that your weight just stays balanced. That does take time and that there's really no short answer to that. I mean, I would literally say that from the time I was 17 to probably 24 was a long period of experimenting. I was almost vegan for a time. Then I was like a lacto-vegetarian for a very long time. Uh, then when I started dancing really heavily in school, I stopped being a vegetarian because it didn't work for me and I needed to uh, be eating more animal products, I realized, just to support how much activity I was getting. That doesn't mean it wouldn't work for someone else. It just wasn't working for me. Um, then I think I went back to being vegetarian for a while and then um, I started dating somebody who was not vegetarian but had been actually a vegan for a really long time <laughs> and he used to cook for me and slowly uh, chipped away at my vegetarianism because uh, he also was very health and wellness minded and his non-vegetarian meals were so good and I felt much better and um, yeah it's just it's a it's a continuing live journey I I don't believe in any fixed place with your wellness. Something might shift for me again and I might suddenly end up a vegan again. Uh, right now it still works for me to just, um, essentially what I'm saying is if you're intuitively eating, then you're not, you're not married to one thing and some random rule. The rule is how you feel and what's working for you. And then in terms of movement, I definitely channeled a lot of my more um, difficult to manage emotions like deep sadness, rage, frustration, um, through physical activity. So lifting weights was really healing, grounding experience during my, uh, during the years after my father died, just being able to put all that energy into something that was difficult. And then you get a nice endorphin rush and you feel like you accomplished something and there's always a nice community in gyms, so even even the um, real dumbbell-dropping, grunting, kind of meat-heady gym that was in my town growing up was a, a nice place where people, you know, said hello and helped spot you or whatever, and I got really into that for a long time. And eventually that moved, all that stuff moved into dance, which I started doing kind of late as a teenager instead of when you're three years old. And I found really a home there. Uh, of course, dance comes with like a whole lineage of um, looking for perfection and all those kinds of things. And that never got me too bad because I think that starting later, I just could spot that sort of unnecessary bullshit layer. But I think just any time that you're in your 20s, you're incredibly... Uh, a w insecure in the way that you're constantly thinking of what other people are thinking about you and I don't even I definitely had a, a lot of shitty teachers that reinforced that from their own insecurity or whatever but I have just noticed that passing into my 30s I'm a much better dancer 
I'm drawn to teachers that are much more uh, focused on the on dance and not focused on their own uh, internal story and their own weird demons and insecurities that they're projecting onto you and being able to spot that uh, much earlier as I think a real nice benefit of not being in your 20s anymore. <laughs> um, so, and then like a lot of uh, pretty much most dancers in New York City, I started teaching Pilates because I didn't want to wait tables and I didn't want a nanny anymore. And um, then I completely fell in love with Pilates. I originally thought I would do yoga because I really love yoga, but I didn't want to um, turn yoga into something that I needed to do to make money because I wanted it to stay as just kind of my something that I loved. And I actually didn't think that I was going to enjoy Pilates because I hadn't taken many classes that I enjoyed the kind of experience of or the community aspect of they always seemed kind of nasty and like the teachers were nasty and that it was very difficult but I just thought oh well if I can make a living doing this then that seems fine and I had taught other fitness when I was in uh, in high school I taught like aerobics and things like that when I was in my local gym it was a big surprise for me that when I started studying Pilates I like immediately, like in the first hour, was completely in love with the whole philosophy, um, with the depth of anatomy training that you get, and with this concept of body efficiency and pulling from other techniques to create something that helps the broadest range of people possible. So it really has become something that I believe deeply in, and I'm ex really just grateful and constantly excited that I get to have my own places to keep honing what my beliefs are and bring in other voices around that. Something that I will share with my clients and that I want to share with people and that is a big part of this podcast is making taking care of your body, even if taking care of your body means pushing yourself pretty vigorously in a physical activity or, um, you know, doing something uncomfortable, like writing down everything that you eat for a week or something. Being able to do things from a place of non-judgment, a place of acceptance, a place where there's space, a place of curiosity. Um, I so deeply believe that better understanding ourselves is really the key to everything. And there's no better place than to just start with your own body. I mean, uh, if, if you start to learn the possibilities of your own body, if you start to understand what you're physically capable of, you are literally rooting yourself in your bones. I mean, especially as women who just for the dawn of time, basically, have constantly been fighting to have ownership of our own bodies, to have agency over our own bodies, to have choice with our own bodies, to have safety in our own bodies... Um, to be able to take pleasure in our bodies by eating with pleasure, uh, having uh, sex with pleasure, um, to, for a woman to be confident and grounded in her own body is, is essentially an enormous political act. So, A, right now in this time that we're living in, I think it's even more important to cut through fads and... Um, essentially male gaze uh, commodified into like a 30-day cleanse or class pack for uh, 
I don't know who, Gwyneth Paltrow's friends or something. Um, I think it's even more important to recognize that physical fitness has literally nothing to do with calories and skinniness, but is literally about physical fitness, the fitness of your body, the capability of your body, the freedom from injury, the uh, ability to be coordinated to be able to count on yourself. Some of the best feedback that I've gotten from clients, one of my clients said uh, that after a couple weeks working together after her first kid, um, she finally says, I feel like I can ask my body to do something and it will do it. Like I'm biking uphill with my kid on the bike and we're running late and I can say, body, I need you to go up this hill and I need us to go fast and my body is responding. And to me, that's like, this is the point. Um, all the outside stuff, I, I do feel just comes into balance. You're not going to change someone from one body type to another, but if your body's in balance, it's going to be in the best balance of whatever that looks like for you. So I'm not asking people to change the outside appearance, but, um, our bodies look like how we treat them. So unless you've had, um, some kind of terrible accident or some sort of chronic illness or something. And even that is, is the environment that you are living in. Essentially our bodies are responding to how we treat them and, and the situations that they exist in. So, um, you know, super celebrities or whatever look like people who are able to live in that environment. And the rest of us look like people who live in the environments that we're in. And, um, one of my teachers recently said, if you don't alter your environment to support your body, your body will alter itself to your environment. So if you're sitting at a desk all day, your body's going to look like a body that sits at a desk all day. Um, if you go for long walks every day and you lift weights and you do yoga, your body's going to look like a body that consistently does those activities, whatever that means. Um, so that's really not glamorous and it's not quick. And I can't say that you're going to like have no muffin top or like lose three pant sizes or whatever. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that, uh, the environment that you live in, that is your body. It's, it's, it's who you are, even if you ignore it all the time. Um, and it's worth getting to know what that is. And, um, I hope that this podcast is going to give different windows into how to get to know ourselves better through our body, through our, um, our wellness activities, whatever those are. So, um, we're going to have Kelsey Miller back for those of you that listen to the now disappeared episode two, we'll have her back to talk about more specific subjects. And, um, we're going to have a relationship coach on, we're going to talk about bread and pasta. Um, everybody's most feared monster in the closet. Uh, yet somehow all of Europe is able to enjoy these things without, um, dying of gluten related diseases. So spoiler alert. Um, we're going to talk about certain fads that I feel like are possibly more negative. 
and we're gonna have a whole bunch of different guests on Francesca will be back some of my other clients might be on um, with things relating to them and I hope that we can kind of create an audio community as an extension of the lovely community here at the studios for people to get questions answered and uh, feel grounded in some knowledge that actually hopefully makes some sense and hopefully actually feels doable because I know a lot of people out there feel like I don't want to be in the crazy like goop camp and I don't want to be uh, like in the CrossFit box so I guess I just won't do anything or I'll do my thing but my assumption is it's not enough and that's just my lot so I, I think that population is uh, actually a, like a vast majority and um, I hope that we have some answers for you here about uh, a way that's in between those two extremes so this has been real fit <laughs> this has been real fit what fitness really sounds like I'm Cadence Debuse and I'll see you next time thank you